and welcome to the 98th edition of Keen Minds. We cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is season 7, episode 14, excuse me, Twami Uluak. I am Jen, a.k.a. Takata Saiko. And I am Tessa. What a phenomenal episode! It really was. It's. I was telling Tessa before we started recording, I, I watched it on Friday night and I went... Eh, it's kind of a letdown. wasn't bad, but it was kind of a letdown for for Park, because I was hoping that this was going to be the episode that made me like her, and oh. and so that's kind of how I looked at it. It was very, it was very clever writing. Um, I looked at it, it was Daniel Cerrone wrote this one mm-hmm. um, because that first scene in, I'm going, who wrote this? The dialogue is fantastic, and I went and looked to to see who wrote it, and I was so excited. Um, but yeah, so first round through, it was a good episode, but it wasn't, it didn't quite hit the mark that I wanted it to hit. Rewatched it today. We're recording this on Saturday evening. We watched it this morning and went, oh my goodness, I missed so much. And I still, it still didn't hit the mark for me to make me love Park. Mm-hmm. But there was so much in it that reflected to oh. so many other people. And it was such a character episode in so many ways. The rewatch put me in my element, and I was very happy. So the oh. the character analysis in me is a very happy soul right now. Okay, I had a very different. I saw it. I wasn't. Um, I didn't even watch um any previews this time. I everybody had been like kind of complaining about Agent Parks, but the episode was Daniel Saron, and I felt like you know what? I think it's going to be a good one. And even without watching anything, I started getting like a nice sense of anticipation. And I watched it and I loved it. I was like, this is one of the best episodes in terms of pacing and characters, the the weight giving to each one of the characters, the parallels. It felt satisfying and, and enticing. And I actually liked Bart a lot. Not that I ever disliked her, but I liked her a lot better. And I thought it was a very, very um, well-crafted episode. Well-crafted is a great way to put it. It's The dialogue was snappy. It was great. The structure was fantastic. It, it just, yes, the craft. Mm-hmm. Spot on. It was great. So hats mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Excellent episode. You want to talk about the blacklister? Yes. Uh, so Tommy was interesting. It was a, it was a very interesting way because they needed to get them to Alaska to deal with Park's whole backstory and to weigh in on that. And so I felt like using Tommy and using and I, I honestly don't know if this is a real thing. I would assume it is. Um, sounds. It sounds like it tracks. I mean, I would have to go look it up and do the research. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably but, called different if it exists. Yeah. And so, but I thought it was a very interesting way to get them over to Alaska. Uh, it, it felt very fluid. It, it felt like a very good way. And it brought the Cold War back into things, mm-hmm. which is something that's been just sprinkled in throughout and interwoven throughout the entire storyline. Mm-hmm. And so, and I loved that line from Red talking to Cooper about... Tell, tell the kids, kids about, yeah, about Operation Washtub. We've talked about it for ages, that you have two different generations working here. You have Red and Katarina and Cooper and Scotty and Howard. You have that whole generation, which 
they're all Cold War spies or Cold War intelligence. Mm-hmm. And then you have the younger generation, Liz and Wrestler and Tom and... They were now, all born during the yeah. Cold War, but they came of age after. And I find some people nowadays that I interact in, in Reddit and Tumblr, and they say things like, well, maybe they took a trip to Moscow. Or, what was the problem with calling from from St. Petersburg to Nebraska? And I'm like, I can't believe this. There well, is... I mean- You've this corrected is... me on things. I mean, I, I was born in 86. And so, I mean, I was right at the end of the Cold War. Yeah. And so, well, I mean, you've had you've corrected me on things that it just, I never yeah, would have thought you of. You don't think about it? And I don't think that you don't think about it. I lived that. I was, I was lucky enough to go into the Soviet Union. I, you know, I passed, I think it was Checkpoint Charlie. I was in there. I, I know exactly why a call to, from St. Petersburg to Nebraska. It's the, anybody believing that I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell. Um, and, you know, the, this. I love when they do these things and they bring it back because, you know, for anybody who who's, I mean, and it's like you you, you can help it. You weren't a, you weren't you were a kid then, but you you know it it forces you to go back and kind of look back at what it was life back then when people were seeing Russian spies in the soup, and there were you know nuclear shelters everywhere, and it was a it was a whole different thing. So I love when they bring back this. And and Tommy was a great example because we have, I mean, we have the Navajo talkers and everybody t- knows about the Navajo talkers, but there were a lot of other ways in which the the uh, the Americans, um, the Native Americans, were involved in this, and definitely Alaska was a very weak spot. So to and me, it I makes don't sense. I mean, that's the it whole was thing. Makes Russian. Sense. You got huge communities there that speak Russian. It would be very easy to get spies there and uh, very difficult to defend. So I don't know about this particular operation, but it certainly makes sense to me. And I love that this this guy, I love that they made it a approachable and, and sympathetic blacklister. Well, it's funny because you and I have been talking about over the years and especially in the last several episodes, you know, was this a sympathetic character? Was he supposed to be? Was she not supposed to be? You know, were we supposed to feel for this person? It's It's been something we've weighed in quite a bit on recently. And so when Liz and Cooper had that conversation there, I really thought about that. Like, the, yes. And it was, I mean, obviously I feel like the majority of people would have sympathized at least on a level. You know, they may not have agreed with the tactics, but they would have sympathized mm-hmm. with the reasons why. Because, Too I mean, bad the for, got... the, uh, for the people who, dis- the 16,000 people oh, who I disappear mean, in there, but, you know. They got screwed over. And yeah. so they, they did what they were asked to do and they got screwed over. I mean, that that makes a person sympathetic, you know. Yeah. And it's, um, a breach of, it's a breach of trust that, um, that if feels on on red to a level to say well yeah i I know this um especially for those of you who believe that red is is the raymond reddington of that was basically royally screwed over so this this it makes sense and i i really liked um the guy i mean the the actor 
did a very good job. Yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, honestly, every great once in a while you'll come across a side character that... <coughs> Excuse me. It's swallow the drainage going down my throat. Yeah. <laughs> just have a sip of that wine. And, and just as a, as a disclaimer, I did have our local taco restaurant had uh, margaritas to go. And they make a killer blood orange margarita. So that's two of those in me. So whatever thing I say, uh, I can't disclaim it was not me. It was the margaritas talking. Blame it on the margarita. <laughs> oh, and then I've got a glass of wine. So yeah. it'll be a fun podcast. Big um, it's not that big. It just looks big because it's close to the camera. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, what we were talking about. We were then, talking uh, about, I think we're. What? Tommy. Uh, we were discussing yeah. Tommy and him being sympathetic, and I really enjoyed the way that Liz brought that around with Cooper, because obviously, and she she called herself out on it, you know, I haven't been my best person around this. Park mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily her best person, but maybe we should start giving people the benefit of the doubt. And I loved the way that the director cut that, because it went from... She was looking at Tommy. They were discussing Park, but then the scene was cut over to uh, to Elodie, and so we we fall and then from Elodie over to Rest with his brother, mm-hmm. and so it was a very interesting thing because while we were following this path that makes sense, that was entirely accurate, I feel like on another level because everything in the Blacklist is always written on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Elizabeth was almost setting it up so that when the time comes and a big secret comes out, whether it's Blonde Cat or something else she has in her pocket, when it comes out and Cooper goes, WTF, Liz, you know, again, and she goes, well, didn't we just have this discussion where we decided mm-hmm. to give people the benefit of the doubt? Yeah. Didn't we agree on that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Liz, I'm I'm beginning to go back to my original assessment of Liz that, that she's far more manipulative than we give her credit for. And I think she's gotten more so. As time has gone and yeah. I, I was discussing with someone over on Tumblr just how much she's learned from her husband over the years. I mean, we keep getting these little tidbits. She's learning from everybody. She is. And you, you she's vocalized what she's learned from Tom. We have seen with our own eyes what she's learned mm-hmm. from Red. And so between the two of them and then plus just the situation she's been in, probably traits she's inherited from Mm. whoever her mom is. (laughs) I was going to say whoever her parents are, (laughs) but, um, you know, she has, she has learned on her own. She has learned through watching. She has learned through necessity Mm. and she is whether you and I both have said before she's a manipulative individual by nature. I think that she has honed those skills and we've watched her do that over the last seven seasons. She's, she's not becoming any more trusting, uh, any more trustable, but it is definitely more manipulative. Um, And, and Cooper, you know, I was, I was watching Cooper and I'm like, Oh, Cooper, you can't go back there. You know, that, that, um, it's so funny because I, I started, I finally started my rewatch. I've been saying for ages, I'm going to do my rewatch. I finally started my rewatch. I am about three fourths the way through season one right now. And, good. and I was watching 
I was rewatching this episode this morning and going, you know, just la da 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 da, watching along. Oh wait, I'm not watching a back episode. This is the recent episode. Oh my goodness, Cooper's acting like season one Coop. Mm. It was the funniest realization that he is back to, you know, for whatever reason he is kind of like when wrestler would rubber band he's gone back to this and so i don't know if that's something he's doing for himself or if i don't know the reason why yet yeah, i just know they're probably to me that one. he's playing a game and the whole thing has been to me like that since the kuwait episode in which you know that i was i recently analyzed the whole thing and it just doesn't make sense he's he he asked read a question and says like okay so it's you he tells Liz well he came back from Reddington came back from the dead um and then he tells yeah but but how could you know this and then he continues as if he knows that red is red is Reddington so I'm thinking that he has his own little games now of of trying to understand what the heck is happening here or or that he understood that Maybe Reddington is not Reddington because, and I think that we, we I, and I always go back to that little thing with Wrestler when Wrestler tells Liz, I found your grandfather. And he says, you found Reddington's father, which means that finding Reddington's father is not something that anybody can do. Alive, dead, under another name. That means that there is no, there is no Reddington senior, which likely means Reddington was always an identity. So Cooper could have known that and realized, well, I wonder if Ilya Koslov is his real identity before he took the Reddington identity. And everybody's believing that he's believing this Kokamami story, which anybody would look at it and say, what? That doesn't make any sense. And nobody has ever gone and see, you know what? Which was that report that you saw that said that? Everybody's just taking this words and nobody's saying, wait a minute. I think I need to see it for myself, which actually, for in terms of wrestler, it disappoints me. Um, but I think that wrestler has other things to fry, or he may have done it and he's not saying anything. You know, at this point, it's it's not like like uh, we haven't seen wrestler do his own thing and keep secret to himself. Because I mean, if by now he doesn't know that whatever he tells Liz ends up in red tears, um, yeah. Right? Mm. So I think what something that's very easy to forget with Cooper, because he's painted in a lot of ways as, as this very, very straight-laced individual. One, mm. he's in naval intelligence. I mean, and I'm not saying that naval intelligence isn't straight-laced. I'm saying that they play, any intelligence group is going to play deeper in the gray, especially in this sort of heightened, mm-hmm. heightened reality. Or all that they are in, in yeah. Yeah, and so... He's in naval intelligence. And two, we saw very early on in the first season, not early on the first season, but early on as in in the first season, that he was willing, prior to the task force being brought about, to bend the playbook. And yep. so that's really what I was thinking about when he said, well, he, she didn't just bend the rule book, she broke it. Mm-hmm. I'm going, you know... So have you. And we, we've seen him do it again and again and again. He probably bent the playbook with beating the confession out of the guy. I, I only say that because he was, at least in his own mind, because he yes. was convinced he was guilty. Was yes. he guilty? Yes, he was. But there was no way to definitively know that as 
you know, just looking at him, I know you're guilty. Um, like, Cooper went out on a limb with that. And so, but in his own mind, he bent the playbook there. Not, but not there to been, mention the Kuwait stuff. I was going to say, but then we get more information as time goes on. You know, if he thinks that he's just bending the playbook along the way. Well, he, depending on what the, 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 the playbook is made out of. This one may be made out of rubber. <laughs> I, I go back to what I said. I think it was in last week's edition that we did. That I think it has less to do about what Park has done and more to do with the fact that they don't know this woman. And Cooper, Wrestler, Aram, and Liz have been to hell and back together. Mm. And smart, but she's gone. Um, have been to hell and back together. They know each other. They have a whole lot more leeway with each other when it comes to this kind of stuff. They don't know Park. And the fact that Liz brought someone in that she knows the secret of, but she but didn't share else. with the class. And it doesn't have to do with Reddington. So this isn't a family situation. It's, I think that's really what It's almost like Liz is, is trying to take control from the task force from Cooper. Yes. And, and I think that Cooper, it's not, uh, Cooper likes to play dumb. Play dumb always gets him a lot of stuff. And I think that that's that that is something that is happening here. And I and I was gonna say about Kuwait that um, you know, people tend to forget that that operation in Kuwait that he was smuggling money to rebels, and that was an operation under Reddington. And so that goes way back. I mean, he was doing great. He was doing intelligence stuff. And most of the intelligence stuff, you know, it may be illegal, but if it's authorized, it's authorized. You do what your superiors tell you to do. Because imagine what the breakdown would be if I say, and if I'm encountering intelligence and something say, oh, no, like Hutton, I, no, I'm not going to, that doesn't matter. And besides coming to Hutton, I don't really believe that story that he was taken and then he was supposed to be killed. I think the guy was always a Simone. And he was there to collect intelligence. I don't buy it. That sounds to me, there is another case um, in, with Cooper, too, of um, the guy he beat the, the, the Helluvas out of it, um, uh, hit, um, Rifkin. Yeah, Ray, with the yes. judge. Alan Ray yeah. Rifkin. Uh, that he was supposed to be this innocent person, but he wasn't. He was aligned with the, with the, uh, with the Kurds or the Taliban, and Taliban, he was yeah. the one doing the raid and killing the innocent civilians and the whole thing. So this, to me, sounds just very similar to that. And there was a lot of that intelligence and double agents and that we don't know about. So... What Cooper is doing with this whole wide-eyed innocence and what are you doing seems to me like a game. It has to be. I mean, he's been through too much. He's seen too much. He's he's letting people, unlike, unlike Liz, who will give too much information out first off, Cooper holds back and lets people give him information. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very good tactic. Yep. Because I think people it will run their mouths off. Yeah, it does. Yeah. People will run their mouths off. And... Maybe that's part of this, is he went, wait a minute, you actually kept something for me. Huh. You know, and you were able to for a length of time that didn't have to do with Reddington, you mm-hmm. know. And so, I don't know. It's It was interesting. I 
I don't think that it has nearly as much to do with the rule book as it does the... Why are you taking control of this task force for me? Yeah, and and just the fact that there are certain things that are more understandable. They may not like it, but it's more understandable when she does it with Reddington because Mm -hmm. that is a super complicated thing. It's been that way since the get-go. Like, this is just the way it is. The Reddington situation is always complicated. But if you want to add Park to this, too, then we may be stretching that. (laughs) There's no reason to add. There is certainly something going on. Which takes us to, finally, we get to see where this Aram and Elodie was. And... So, okay. (laughs) I, I... I yelled at my television. The girl Friday is a night. murderer. <laughs> I yelled at my TV on Friday night. Told you. <laughs> <laughs> but then, after everything, I'm sitting there going, "It can't be that easy." Like it's they spent way too much time on this storyline for it just to be, "Yep, she killed her husband." Bye, Elodie. Like there, there's got to be a bigger point to it because as it stands right now, it just sucks. Like, it sucks for Aram. Like, another lesson learned, I guess, maybe, but there's not... I was very impressed by Aram. Oh, I was too, but I'm just saying that there has got to be another step here that we haven't gotten to yet. I don't think the story is over. But I don't doubt that she was the one contacting. As soon as she started doing all that thrill-seeking, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that was not your husband, that was you. That was you, the thrill seeker, and that was a great way of killing them. Besides, think about it. They were getting the illusionist. Why did they need the illusionist unless the job that he broker was the one in which she was going to be in and she was going to be able to live, as opposed to everybody else who there was that they told us there's no way that anybody can get out of there. Okay, so... I have a question for you, because the one thing that I felt very uncertain of in this episode, I'm hoping maybe you you caught it. Um, When Aram is talking to her and basically saying you're under arrest, he says, you opened up to me. That's why you were asking about blacklisters to to seduce me into giving you a murder weapon. Mm. I didn't understand that because... She had no control over the task force. She was getting information, yes. But typically with the blacklisters, they're either dead or incarcerated by the time... I think it was something similar. That's what Aram thought. That does not mean... I didn't understand that that line. Maybe a way of killing somebody. That she would find out a way of killing somebody. And we still don't know how she killed him. So how she killed him may have been through one of the methods that Aram was talking about. So maybe it was in Bob Jews, because that required information, but maybe it was like the um like the the apothecary or one of the guys that, you know, there were so many cases that we would want to go back and see who was killed. Um it, it reminds me a little bit, and we don't know this. We don't know how long after they were married was that um, was that um, prenup valid, because it reminds me a little bit of the apothecary case in which they the wife discovered the affair and had they had she got out of a coma she would have divorced him and if she had died 
he would never have got something. So he put her in a coma because the coma was what allowed him to get to that period of time after which he would get money, they got divorced or she died. So this somewhat reminded me of that situation. Typically, prenups go towards, like, if you get a divorce at all, you know, with, with some, you know, exceptions yeah. there. But you remember the you case? Sp- I, I don't with remember the that portion of it, no. The guy, the guy was married to the woman, and they had a prenup because she was very rich. And the prenup said that if they divorced or she died before they were married for, I don't know, five years or seven I, years or I ten years. I remember him keeping her in the coma, but I that's don't. That's why. He I had see, to I, wait I, for that period. That's why the rewatch is because, I, I, like, that portion of it, I don't remember at all. Yeah. It's, I'm like, that's been deleted out of. many times. That's been deleted out of the, the database there. <laughs> yeah, I have a freak memory and I've done many rewatches. But yeah, I mean, it reminded me a little bit of that. But definitely there was that thing. And I, I was very proud of of the way Aram was written because he may have been hurt, but he was, this time, he was not... Um, yeah, th- there was that... Vaccinating or... Like, he, he asked, you know, did you kill him? And her response was, I love you. And instead of backing like, yeah, down and right. questioning questioning himself and second-guessing everything, did you kill him? And only then did she go with no. I mean, she had a really bad habit of... Ta- I mean, not bad habit as in, like, badly written or anything, but just you could tell something was up because she would... She did what all the other manipulators that we've seen... Uh, you know, Red never does answer it. Never a question. Yeah, she would never directly answer a question. It was she would talk around it. She would go here, there, everywhere else. And that's it's funny. I was I was doing some uh, doing some research for something, um, and I have the blacklist. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, that big book. Um, the dossier, the Elizabeth yeah, King thank dossier. You. Dossier is what I was looking for. I have not had that much wine. Um, <laughs> But I, I was looking through the dossier, and it was it was Liz, her, her handwritten notes in there, you know, quote-unquote handwritten notes. And it was talking about how she had, why she felt like she'd failed as a profiler in, you know, season one, Liz, with Tom. Because when she accused him of, of the box being his and all of that, that he never straight up denied it he always redirected and that's Mm. something we've seen with every individual that is part of that covert sort of operation they don't when they don't want to answer something they they very very rarely straight up lie they just redirect they you know at the time tom was he he pushed the focus onto it's your job it's your job that's done this to us it's your fault red will tell this massive story that goes on for ages that at the end of it you go what was the point when when did we start yeah. talking about this well <laughs> you know. I, I was having that conversation with somebody in reddit um but it wasn't a conversation it was more like a uh, accurate discussion but um it, it you know it ended up like that is like if you ask somebody did you steal documents and they said how could you say that of me my my take from that is you're fired, I'm calling the FBI, and um, and I'm making a citizen's arrest of you. 
And anybody that, that I always say, if somebody, if you ask somebody, did you cheat on me or did you steal this from me? And the answer is not a yes or a no. And you take it, you deserve it. Because that's not an answer. People would tell you yes or no. And red gives you, there is pages of red answering things straightforward. Yes, no. Tom does the same thing. When somebody Mister redirects, uh, slides from under, Bad. It's it's things that they. That's what I said. It's things that they don't want to answer. Things that they are un, either uncomfortable or they feel it's a secret they need to keep for a certain reason. It's not always necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes they're keeping a secret for somebody yeah. or they're working an angle. To, to I mean, it's not a it's not, a non-answer. Yeah, and that's it's just the way that they deal with it, and that's you know it, it's it's a tell. Yep. Is exactly but, what it is. But but Aram was so good in that he was like, yeah. there was no I'm really hurt Aram. I was like, you played with me and I'm done. You used me and I'm done with this. Can we talk about just a moment how fantastic that first scene was with Aram and Red? Yes. Because that popped on and I went. That that's when I looked up the writer. I was like, who's writing this? Because that. I mean, Red always has fantastic lines. That's kind of a given. Mm-hmm. But just the back and forth, the snappiness of it, you could tell it was in the writing. It wasn't mm-hmm. in the ad-libbing of it. And it was just fantastic. And I loved when Liz entered. It didn't slow down at all. It was, I love it. well, let's try something crazy like calling the cops. You know? <laughs> and it's... And Aram is like, doesn't, Aram doesn't even answer her. It's like, shh. Go, he deflected it. <laughs> and so I'm going to let you two do whatever you two do. <laughs> That's, I mean, Aram's learning. He's learning yeah. how to function. And, and so, didn't you love the delivery system? The guy oh, yeah. with the, like, saved the Jewish, uh, the Jewish orphans with a little thing. It was perfect. It reminded, but it was, it reminded me of that um, when Red has this, the outfit that used to be, this the um a, a saving for kids during the world war ii and that's what he takes the people this guy i you know there is something in my mind that i've seen this scene or similar scene it seems like a nod to something and it probably is i'm i'm like raking my mind because i've seen a similar scene a guy like that maybe no maybe it wasn't the the orthodox jew but there was something in there that remind me of a scene like that and i loved that it was it was great it was well done the guy didn't even speak and it was perfect. just so it was perfect for odd. it it's, was odd and and magic all, and well all of red's people are quirky as you know, quirky as they come, like you yep. cannot be a normal functioning human being. I mean, not, I mean, I'm sure this person was perfectly functioning, but you know, it's it was so out of the norm and bizarre and not what you expect. And that is just the epitome of. If red. the guy had spoken, it would have been ruined. Yes, agreed. Totally ruined. It was the fact that he got there, he rang the bell, got the stuff in there, rang the bell again, and left. It was perfect. I, I I loved it, and I love that that it is Aram who actually goes to arrest her, um, yeah. and it feels like is 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 a is a putting on of the is the closing of the chapter in his life. Um, 
yes and no, because like I said, just from the writing standpoint, I felt like there is more to come there in maybe, it. I mean, is there but somebody was, who put up Elodia, Elodia up to there? It, it was a step in a Rom story, his personal story, in which... Because he wasn't involved with arresting... Well, I mean, he what he was involved with arresting Janet. But he was the semi-damsel in distress. Yes. You know, I mean, so this Mark, is a whole different realm. Yeah. He's, he's damaged now. He's not the, 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 the guy who's willing to, to let it go. He's just like, you betray me. You lied to me. You use me. Um... And and I, I I actually have no doubts that Elodie loved him. Um, but I have no doubt that she loved him. I don't have doubt. I, I think she's probably fond of him. Um, I, I think we'll know more when we know where she's coming from. The impression I get with Elodie is that, it like, it's, very, it's a very shallow sort of existence. So, like, yeah, it may be a step deeper with Aram. But that doesn't mean it's love. And no. I don't know. I think that we need more pieces of the puzzle. I, I'm very open to my mind being changed on it. But to, to me, it ran very much like Katharina because of all the... I mean, we, because she's a redhead? And mind you. Because she's no, a redhead? No, mind you. We, 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 we have not really seen Katharina in other than memories. Uh, one from, from Kate that was... you know, And in those memories of Kate, every time I watch... I rewatch Requiem. I'm like, she was so manipulative from that moment that interview, and she's just like preening, and 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 you could see how he she's seducing uh, Kate, and everything that she says is destined to do something about Kate. It's there is very little that is genuine in, in Katarina in any of the scenes in Requiem. Then, I mean, a yes, lot of people say, like, that. oh, when she's, like, when she gets up to the fire. And at the, in the back of my mind is, like, I'm not even sure that that is after the fire. For all I know, that could be three weeks in. And she just put on Masha with the clothes, and that's why she was not hurt when was grabbed by the wrists. Which well, supposed I mean, she had a, a, they said that was a mistake. But to me, there was something in the way she was acting. Towards everybody that just felt like she's acting the entire time. Well, it's because, I mean, think about it. If you're that type of person, you're always putting on a front for somebody. And yes. if you were a covert operative, especially if she was, in your theory, several layers deep, you know, a, uh, you know, a triple imposter sort of situation, mm-hmm. you know, then she's always got to keep her guard up with everybody, including her own child. Because yep. a four-year-old's going to blabber. Yeah, and, and so uh, particularly to- Liz. Yeah, she blabbers she, now. Imagine what she did when she was four. <laughs> my God. 30 years later, she's still doing it. Um, but And so I think, Katarina, when you make a habit of that, if you're geared that way anyway, and then you continue to make your living off of it, it becomes deeply ingrained in who you are, and you have trouble turning it off. We've seen it with Tom. We've seen it with Red. We've seen it with every co- I, I think we saw it with Scotty. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen it with every covert operative that that we have met in this show that mm-hmm. they have trouble turning it off. It totally makes sense. It's yeah, one of the survival. It's one of, yeah, it's one of the things I love about covert operatives and writing and viewing them. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's such a fascinating thing. But it's very, I in a way, watching, it's, it's very I was human. A very interesting. I, I deeply recommend the Spy with uh, Sasha Cohen about a real life uh, Israeli spy, Ellie Cohen, and mm. it is unbelievable he went undercover so deep that he ended up as a minister of defense in syria it is and it's a real life me that it is it's netflix it's netflix is unbelievable called a spy unbelievable because at the end what he said when he was back in his normal life is like i am playing myself this is not me anymore i am this other character that he's been playing. And, you know, it, I, I saw that in the movie. The, the, it's a miniseries. It is, it is really well done and even better because you know it's a real-life case. And he was found out in Hong because they sent him back when he, it was clear, it should have been clear to his handler that he, he had to stop. He had to be taken back. Really well done and an amazing, amazing counterintelligence operation. Um, massive. I see a divergence from uh, my black war- blacklist rewatch for that. My goodness, it's <laughs> yeah. right so, up my alley. So hour. I could I could totally see how that how that happens. Um, but but in the case of of Elodie, it just brought me back to Katerina. And and what I was saying is, we haven't really seen Katerina. We have seen a tale of we've no idea how much of that is true because for all we know, she he dumped to pieces of that and remastered it into some other thing that the scenes may look the same, but they were completely different. Um, we have Red hallucinating of something that he could not have been there. If Red had those burns during the fire, there is no way in hell he w- could have been in Cape May fighting anybody with Katrina. He would have I- been in a burn unit. I don't think that was ever, ever really meant to be a straight-up memory. Some people think it is. Really? Yeah. I, You know, what? once we got further away from it, it became, at least for me, it, yes. it seemed very clear that it was a hallucination, a reimagining of... If I were to be, have learned about. Yeah, I, I know about this, and if I were to be able to speak to her... I mean, let's be honest... Everybody does it when you have something, a regret, you play it through you your head. How can I rehash do it things in your yes. head? And that's he was, that was on a lot extreme. of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> he was on that a was lot an of extreme. Yeah. And and it may be that even he had some of those arguments with her. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing as Rasford. Dom was not in there. He had no idea what happened. If anything, they're just rehashing something they heard. But we have not met Katerina in real life, unless I'm right, and then we did. And if we, if I'm right, then again, she was not even being straightforward there. She was playing the role of the housewife. And, and side note for anybody that's just tuning in to us, neither Tessa nor I believe the blonde cat is actually Katerina Rostova of, who, of Lottie's. Yeah, no, we don't believe Lottie, that. Lottie Verbinks, Katerina Rostova. Verbinks? I, Verbeek, I think. Verbeek. I happen to believe that Katerina is the character we met as Naomi, who faked her death again. But, you know, that it, it, it certainly has that. You know, that, I was just 
I was describing Blacklist to someone the other day, and they said, this sounds like a soap opera. I said, no, it's a spy show. If you don't have three different names and have faked your death at least once, you're just not on the playing board. Mm-hmm. Well, the difference with with a soap opera is 30 years. <laughs> if you're talking about who's the father of my child now, that is definitely a soap opera. If it's, it's been 30 years, I have five names, uh, nobody knows who I am, nobody knows who she is, nobody knows what happens, and it's a spy show. Yeah. Mm. So, Wrestler. Yes, let's go into Wrestler. So, I am so excited that they're gearing up and aiming towards the Wrestler arc. with his, And it's about his brother. I loved that. Oh, my gosh. I loved it so much. Um the, I mean, because seeing that and the fact that Liz knew who it was, I, I feel like a lot of their friendship happens off screen. And I used to talk about this a lot with with Tom and Liz's relationship, that so much of it happened off screen. Because they don't have would, enough time. Well, yeah, you just don't you, you just don't have enough time. You've got they probably their scripts probably run maybe 50 pages would be my guess because you get 42 minutes. Um, it's supposed to be a page a minute. And so they, they probably cut it down to 42 to 45 pages would be my guess. I, I'd have to go once I get out to L.A. and get back to, the, you know, the library reopens. I'll go check it out at the WGA library. <laughs> but um, so much happened off screen with the Keens. And I think the same is true because there's been a lot of complaints. I've been one of the complainers that the friendship, the partnership between Russ and Liz seems to be lacking over the years for as, as often as they are together and working together. It seems like it's a little thin. And this was one of those lovely ways to nod towards a Rom saying, oh, well, we don't ever hear about your brother. And wrestler going, yeah, I know. And basically just like, stop asking. And then a scene later, Liz is going, oh, you're talking about Robbie. Yeah, Robbie's calling. Yeah. Well, and, and, when, and, and now we know something that we didn't know before. Remember when he had the heart attack and, and Ressa was, I should be there and I should be there. And like, that sounds like a little too much, a little too melodramatic. Maybe Wrestler didn't want to be there. It's the thing is, when he got shot in the leg in season one, his ex-girlfriend that he'd been broken up with for years at that point, assuming years, was still his direct contact. Well, that, that may be because the brother may still be in Detroit. I mean, yeah, maybe, but it just... The, the fact mom that and the daughter, they seem very far away from him. Yes. And, and, and emotionally. Both, both, emo both physically and emotionally. And so that's what I'm saying, is that when he was sitting alone, because honestly, unless they were just physically detached... You know, I mean, if I were states away and I got my leg nearly blown off, my family would be there. Yeah. And so it's if you have an even semi-functional relationship with your family, if you nearly die, typically they're there. Yeah. And or so, it, it sounds to me like Russell didn't want them cool. That's why they were not in his list. Yeah. And so he just, you know, th there is something there. What yeah. that something is, we still don't know. All we know is that they weren't called in season one. In season three, what we found out that his dad was a cop and that that his dad was killed. Um, I'm because sure that we're going to find something that completely blows that out of me. <laughs> um, 
But and so now we've got a brother and it's it's fascinating and I am all on board. I am yeah. very, I'm very excited. excited about that that uh, that episode. Um and then that takes us to to Liz in and um because Liz was was uh, I mean she didn't have a lot to do there except those conversations um with uh, with she had a conversation with wrestler she had a conversation with cooper but it was always this about the same thing that we already talked when we talked with cooper it was about the things that she wants that she seems to be having an agenda and and i mean it was a little different with wrestler because you seem like more you know the friendship coming off but with parks this is an agenda there um, well, real fast, something I'd like to, to note yeah. with Wrestler and Liz before we get off of rest too awful far. Um, it was really interesting to me because their conversation while they're sitting on the couch and the guy went to the back to, you know, grab his shotgun to blow him to Kingdom Come. It, w- it reminded me about from season one where Wrestler said, have I told you how I feel about profiling? Liz mm-hmm. is going, something's not setting right with me. She's the profiler. She reads people. And Wrestler's going, nee, he can't even walk. And then all of a sudden the guy comes out with a shotgun trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you have that and you also brought around, and this is exactly what I mean about this episode felt very much like a character-driven episode and it dug deep into various pieces of each character. Mm-hmm. Because you had both that little piece and you also had the bit with Wrestlers a Sharpshooter. And I think that's the only thing that saved them because he was behind the eight ball there. He didn't know yes. it was coming. Liz was the one that called Was not it. suspecting anything. Exactly. But he was also the one that got his gun out and shot first. And I yeah. think that is, that, that's a testament to Russ's ability. And we've seen it before. He's supposed to be a sharpshooter. That's one of his talents. When he, got, when he took, uh, it's, it's also a, a cry to when he took down Gina. And it was a shoulder shot. Yeah. And Liz was furious with him because she wanted to interrogate Gina. Yeah. Uh, that, that was such a great, mo- uh, on a, almost a nod back to season one. There's a lot of that going on right now. Um, and I don't know if it's just because I'm in season one with my re- rewatch. I'll, be, I'll get to other seasons and go, oh, well, there's a nod to that. There's a nod to that. There we go. But that whole little, I don't even want to call it a spat because it was done good naturedly. You know, well, they're going to find out we shot their guy. You shot our, you shot their guy. <laughs> You know, saving your butt. That whole conversation mm-hmm. there was, yeah, it, it very much was a nice little nod back and had the same sort of feeling towards it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I always like when they when they get a a um, a uh, fishing rod and they hook something from season one and they start bringing it together. And so they've been leaving this this thread, and I love when they start picking them up. And as they start picking them up, you start seeing the shape of the puzzle. And I think it's, you know, the puzzle is, is shaped. I'm very excited about how the puzzle is shaping. So getting into Park, uh, which was obviously the meat of the episode. And um, so... Uh, did you not find yourself more sympathetic towards towards her? Okay, this, this is how I feel about this, which is such a... Con- conflicting sort of viewpoint I think about the episode I think I was more fascinated with the the reason why Red did what he did with her and 
the fact that Red set everything up and why he did it versus Park's actual backstory. And it just wow. feels... It, I know. I, it's, it sounds terrible, but it feels like at this point in the game, and I was discussing this with a, a person that really likes Park, and her response was, I feel really let down right now. And I said, you know, we're in season seven, and as you and I discussed last week, and you pointed out... This is someone that's come in very late to the game, and we've already gotten to know everybody else. It's She's already in a difficult position. The writers are up against a gigantic wall with bringing in a character that they want to put on par with everybody else. They have to knock it out of the park and then some to be able to make it with her. And when they laid that backstory out, I just went, okay, like, that's tragic. Don't get me wrong. Like, I feel for her. I, it's not that I don't feel for her. It's just, okay, so she did something off the books that would have been considered illegal, and someone covered it up. That's just par for the course. Welcome to the blacklist. Um, I found that I I like the the story. I like the parallels you brought. Yeah. I and I, I was more fascinated with the parallels and yeah. but the and parallels were brought about than the actual not, situation. You're not gonna ever. Doesn't matter who you bring up. You are never going to get anybody who gets. It's one thing when you bring an external character that has not been there. For example, you're more liable to feel sympathetic for characters such as Jennifer that you feel towards Park because Park is coming into an, a unit that is functioning, that is a, a, an organic, an element that that, and it, it's you're never going to get people to be as invested with her. Plus, we don't know if her character is meant to be there as a blood sacrifice, such as Mira was. Or is she's going to make it to season eight? So we don't know what happens there. I do agree with that. I do. And and that's what I mean by to be able to put this character on par with her counterparts, you have I don't think it can be done. I yeah, it, it's such it's walking through the eye of a needle sort of thing. And I just I don't think I could do it by any stretch. And these people have been professional for years and are incredible writers. And I don't Even feel Samar like fell off for the first season when she was in there. And we have only met the other guys for one season. Um, it, See, it, I thought Samar, uh, and, and I'll, I, I will revisit this when I it was, get there to was no trauma. my rewatch. There was very little trauma that had happened by then with his characters and that have cemented who they were. But um, I think that the, the Park story was important in the sense that first she did a lot of illegal stuff. So in that sense, she's very much like Wrestler, very much like, uh, like Cooper, like Liz, like Ram, who has done a lot of illegal stuff in order to get a revenge or to find somebody. But it's definitely resonating with Red. Um, the story with the mother definitely went into, into for me, into Liz. And, you know, there's a mother in, in, in need or in a bad circumstance. The child tries to help doing what she's 
asked to do with a tragic consequence by that is yeah. by no means their doing. I definitely saw the parallel with Liz with the accidentally killing and being quote unquote responsible while also being a small child ergo can't be really held responsible for what happened uh, a parental figure whether you know we still don't really know who Liz killed we, you it, know it's been it said since she shot someone but not the same yeah um I, I have to go back there's a scene where red talks in depth about it but i i want to said that he she, you your father died that night but that yeah. you know okay. we also said the father died and um so it could be a um a, yeah and so but like i saw and but that's exactly what i mean like i saw those parallels i enjoyed those parallels i think they need to be done but Everything, while I can enjoy wrestler's story on his own, while I typically can enjoy a Rom story on his own, Samar stories on their own, um, Tom's stories on his own, that sort of thing, with Park, she feels very much like a tool to highlight everybody else. And that, that just doesn't... She's necessary, sure, but that doesn't make me feel for her as a character. Um, well, I, 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 I saw it very different. I felt it very different. I, um, I love that final scene with Red when she's, you know, telling the story, and she, he pours her a glass of wine. He's not, she's not taking them. She's still though that hard, and. And Red goes and says something very similar to one he's told Liz, have you forgiven yourself? And that is, um, and I, I thought that that moment was, was very nicely done. And, and Red reaction to her when she takes a glass, when she sits down. And then Red says something at the beginning. Um, she tells Red, hold on, I got it here. Um, you have no business interfering in my life. And Red tells him, I do when your life interferes with my business. And that is a throwback to season one and season two. In season, I think it was in season one, he said, I have no interest in cases I have no interest in. And yep. then uh, later on, he says, the FBI, Liz says, the FBI is not in the business of your business. And he says, of course, the FBI is in the business of my business. Why else would I be in, the, in business with the FBI? So this is, we're going back again, as you were saying, to things that happened in season one and season two, where we're, we're reminded of what kind of relationship does Red have with the task force? And this was, was very, very clear. Um, you're an excellent agent and a loose cannon. I need the first and I can abide the second. And, and what Red has been doing with them, it is that. He has been taking care of them, taking the danger out of their life, presenting them with the opportunity to exert revenge or come to terms with things. He did it with Samar by pretend by presenting uh, the guy who supposedly killed the brother. Uh, he did it with um, by killing uh, Prescott. He did it with um, with Garvey. He has been doing this all over and not with Cooper with Cooper he had been doing it a little different when he came to the final moment in that nightclub with the other case of Cooper he said now you're on your own because you have to make that decision for yourself makes me wonder about Elodie then why because 
Liz was pushing Aram to go to the police versus to go to Red. He went to Red. He ran the blood through Red. The damning evidence was run through Red's people. And if Red's trying to push off potential threats, if he's trying to nullify distractions, because Aram has been falling down a slippery slope mm-hmm. with Elodie. Very. But I don't and, think that he would invent that. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I I don't think that that's Red's mo. Um, it would be. It would. I, I'm wondering if he. Hmm. I don't know. It, it's something just sparked. So let me think on that for a while. For a prosecution, they would have to exhume the body and True. do their own. Yeah. So that. I mean, that might not. I might be wrong. But but it, the the point is that they were. They have been going back to to the earlier seasons and doing the same thing. Red cannot have loose cannon agents. And I would like to point out, I am not in any way judging the actress on her portrayal. I think she was fantastic in this episode. And I do think that the writers did what they could with the character in this episode. I just, for me personally, I... I am seeing her much more as a tool and seeing everything connected to, to Park through the lens of other characters versus through her own. And I feel like she needs to, I, I feel like she needs to be able to stand on her own two feet versus only being a tool for everybody else. But, and I, but, I don't see that. But wait, when, when you, when we first started on the blacklist and, and you have to go back to, not with you doing a rewatch in which you have already an emotional connection to the actors um, and to the characters. You have to go back to when you first started watching the show. Everything was through the lens of Red and Liz. You were invested in Red and Liz. Or if you're a Tom fan, you were invested in Tom and then on, on Liz. Or if you're a Kindler fan or you're a wrestler fan. There was one character that brought you over and everything you saw was seen through the eyes of that and as a reflection of that. This is just now you're into six, seven seasons of it, and you're getting a character that you're seeing through the prism of the other ones. So and I maybe don't... that's it. And and I hope, I, I really do hope that they are able to build Park into someone that I enjoy, and it may just be that I'm being too hasty. And I hope that's the case. We'll see. I, yeah, I, I feel very different. Which takes us to Red. Um, and Red yeah. was in fine shape. Okay, can I just say that this was a fantastic experience of we, we've discussed over the years red as the illusionist as the chess master and the way that he he sets things up and how the beginning of the blacklist we saw it only as oh he has complete control over everything and as time's gone on we see behind the curtain you know we're, we're looking dress rehearsal yeah, we're looking behind the curtain and seeing his flaws, seeing the missteps. We're getting a more round version of what all goes into the situation. This was such a fantastic portrayal of that entire experience. Because from Park's point of view, if it had all worked out, suddenly Red just would have had this man on a silver platter for her. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, here you go. And it was just such a great way to view that it doesn't always work out the way he plans. Sometimes it screws up. And sometimes even if it screws up, 
He manages to salvage it. Yes. He's still able to make things fall into place and to work out. And it was from from a and, and once again going back to I feel like this was such a fantastic episode for character development and diving into characters and the way they're portrayed. And for Red, it really, really highlighted that chess master mm-hmm. from both seeing all the thought he puts into it, all the the mechanics of it, the the forethought, and the slip ups. And and remember when we were discussing when we first saw the stranger, and there was this thing about Red is 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 comfortable with chaos. Is he really comfortable with chaos? And 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 I said I I think he is, and I think that sometimes messed up happen. Well, and I think, I think this is one. To, I think it goes back to and we've discussed before about the world that they live in in this covert operative sort of world where they have to adjust quickly. They have to portray themselves. They have to put this facade of being in total control and uh, because if they don't, they're going to lose control of the people under them, around them. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, if they don't have this omnipresent, omniscient sort of vibe to them that Red very, very much gives off. I still say you could not do this without James Spader. But he he gives that off so well. And it's the only way he's able to survive in this world is because Mm -hmm. he's able to shift gears so quickly. It's during season one. I mean, because that that is the epitome of of Tom in that that situation where he shifts and manipulates and moves. And because we get we get more of a look behind the scene in season two on with Tom. Mm -hmm. But. In the second half of that, we see so much of that. And now that we're finally at that point with Red, where we're seeing behind the curtain, it's so fascinating yeah. to watch the parallels happen and to see it's these two characters that come from a, maybe not a similar background, but they are in a world that they are for, maybe not forced into because they choose in great deal to be in this world and to function. Yeah. And they do function well in this world, but they they have personality types that are able to function there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is there is a, a, a description of the Capricorn that somebody who's able to survive in 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 inhospitable environments exactly. and thrive, not just survive but thrive. It goes back to the hideous episode- fish. Well, it goes back to Hideous Fish, and it also goes back to season one, where Liz is talking about that Red would be comfortable in a fancy setting versus a cave versus... I mean, and we see that over and over and over again. He just is able to shift mm-hmm. and and meet, meet the situation where it needs to be met to be able to manipulate it. And I, I don't use manipulate in a negative sense. He molds it maybe as a... Better yeah, word. He's, to he's use. a he's a, uh, a the master of ceremony in the in the circus. Yeah. He's he's a, there was there was one incident in here that was to me was fascinating and I loved it. It was so well done. Uh, hats off. Um, when when Alina is driving the truck, and they come upon this accident. And this remind me of that fake accident that Red stage in season three with the cocaine and the whole thing. And, and Samar was pretending to be the agent. Um, except in this accident, it's 
it's it's so much like you think, oh yeah, this is where they're gonna get her. They're not gonna be any hurt, and they're going to grab her. And then it turned out that it is a real accident. And when Liz is and wrestler are there, they got the 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 medevac chopper and the whole thing. And that is to me, it's it's a clue to where the clues in the blacklist are. They're not the obvious one, people. They're not. It's not the accident in the road. It's the 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 way station when nobody's there. So if you're if you're waiting for the big things that have neon flashing lights going at you, that's not it. The the real stuff is is subtle. What's the quote from Sherlock Holmes that you know the the easiest answer is often once yeah once you you discarded what is impossible. Uh, the mo- the most uh, obvious answer is is often the the one to go with. I, I can't. Yeah, yeah simple. And there's one. a simple, the and simplest that, answer. Is well, sometimes that, the it is the direct opposite in the blacklist. The you you see something you're like, oh, that's it. That that's what's happening. I I know what's happening. And then there's that twist. I uh season five six. I don't remember. I, I think I want to say it was the back half of five. It was the the episode, um, I think he was an arms dealer, that his son was studying abroad in Paris. Yes, and, and you think that, is, that, he's, that he's the one following the woman. Yes. And, and because it plays to your stereotypes. And stereotypes and it's also shot of camera. It was fantastic on the... It was the, very on well the, done, uh, yes. Yeah. And it, it, I remember at the time going, that is the epitome of the blacklist. It's the misdirect. It's... Like we were talking about earlier, look over here, look over here, look at the shiny. Oh, wait, here we are over to the left. And, you know, while the shiny was going off to the right, to the left, this was building and bam, here it is. Yeah. And and you, and you and if you follow it, you can tell that this was not that they just pulled it out of nowhere. It, they'd been building it and the clues have been there. You know that card game, Follow the Lady, where no. you've got the cards and you're, you're following the Queen of Hearts. And no. so you've got um, like... Well, it, it's a card trick that people yeah, do. Yeah, the, the three card monte, yeah. Yeah, and so, but you you try to follow the Queen of Hearts, and they switch them around, switch them around, switch them around, and that's basically what the blacklist is. You're trying to follow the lady. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was very interesting is there's been two references to Greek tragedies very in the in the last two episodes, and I find that fascinating. Um, we've also have reference to Odysseus. In, in season six and season um, four. Um, and I, I think this is going somewhere. I don't know where, but it's going somewhere. It's, uh, I, I, in general, I thought it was a, a fantastic episode. I was very pleased uh, to, when I was watching it, I was like, this is great. And on the rewatch, it's like, this is, this is very good. So I think that they were going back to some other things, and and you can throw Saroni to to do a a character driven episode that is that is satisfying, and he had a great he had a great tempo. There oh was yeah. No no place where you felt it was rushed or where it wasn't. Uh, and I love the fact that at the end, what what. I, you know, it's the metaphors were were there. I mean. There she is in the cold. She's out in the cold and she's forced to trust this guy who she blames for her mother's 
death. And at the end, it is him who saves her life because she decided that they needed to cooperate in order to both survive. And, and that is, to me, it's it's very much how the blacklist ends up. And, and at the end, there's going to be a bear trap. Your bad guy is going to have a bear trap. There's going to be a bear that crosses in front of the of the of the truck. There's a lot of it was happening in terms of symbols there, and I found it rich and satisfying, and I I loved it. Yeah, I, I think it was a very uh, simple, heavy episode. I think it was a very parallel, heavy episode, and both of those are things that I very much enjoy. Um, it's it's one of those that like while you didn't get any direct mythology, you still got great ways to tie it back and the blacklist and that's even when i'm frustrated with the thinness of episodes which this was not by the way but you know in general the, the thinness of episodes i keep going back and the reason i say i will continue to sing the writer's praises is that even when we have you know if we have five episodes in a row that feel incredibly thin and useless to me it's on a rewatch yeah, well, yeah, the rewatch will always deepen it, and that's one of the reasons I'm doing it. I, you know, I, you know, anybody that's been with our podcast for a long time knows I, I am the massive Tom Keen fan on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that, like, I started watching the blacklist for Tom or for Ryan, really, and mm-hmm. then fell, you know, in love with Tom Keen and the Keens in general, and just that whole storyline. He is the epitome of the kind of character that I enjoy, mm-hmm. and so. When when they killed him the way they did in season five, I was very put out, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I, that's just the way my brain is wired. I don't pay nearly as close attention. Um, and I've also been hyper-focused on my own works mm. uh, since then. I, I jumped into script writing um, and have been focused on a change of of venue and direction with all of that, with my writing. And so my, my focus has been pulled off. And so that's one of the reasons I want to do a rewatch is because this is a show that I guess you can watch it casually. I, uh, plenty of people do, but I feel like when you watch it casually, which I've been doing to a degree, the to last degree, couple you years, still rewatch because, every, every episode. Well, I do. I rewatch every episode because we do this podcast and it's, you know, I mean, Tessa gave me the out when, when they killed Tom. Do you want to leave the podcast? I said, no. Because then I, I knew I'd taper off the show. And I enjoy doing the podcast. It I enjoy the analysis. I enjoy digging into it. And so I finally gotten to the point. I guess I'm far enough away from it. Or maybe I just have terrible hope for the future. Um, that I'm, I'm back to looking for parallels. I'm back to enjoying that. And so call it quarantine brain i don't know yeah. well it it i mean that when you rewatch the the seasons that you haven't rewatched because uh, you rewatch the first ones you're gonna see a lot more in there um because i mean i know that i did when i rewatched all this and and i rewatched over last summer the entire thing mm-hmm. and as i was rewatching the whole thing with the bones i kept feeling that there is a magic trick here that I'm not seeing. And I went and rewatched every relevant, I didn't watch entire episodes, but I watched every entire scene of those bones. And that's when I started focusing on Jennifer 
And I started, like, I know Jennifer was played by Fiona Dourif, which is a terrific actress. So I knew that what she was doing is exactly what she was supposed to be doing. And that's when I th- when I when I framed it. Who told you that, though? You when did. you were saying she was a sack of clothes or whatever you were calling her. <laughs> well, because she was. I well, mean, that's what she you, looked like. You hadn't seen her on anything else. I saw her on Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. And she I, was I, phenomenal in that. No, but I, but I went and I watched some of her stuff. And i like, this is not... This is not a, 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 a problem with the actor. So this is the way she's playing this character, the way she's supposed to be playing this. And we have talked about that with Liz for years yes. now. The, you know, early, early Liz, people complain about all the time. Eh, she seems so stiff. Eh, she did this. Eh, she did that. Maybe Megan's not so good. She was an unknown entity, yada, yada, yada. If you go back, and as someone that's in the middle of a rewatch, I'm looking at her, and she is... Explaining this exactly as she should. Exactly. And Megan is talented. You know, it's... I've met the woman... She was somebody who had a secret, and that secret was heavy on her. She didn't know how to deal with that kind of secret. Now she's much better. She also had a trauma that hadn't been appropriately processed. And I still don't think it's been appropriately processed, but it's still been more processed now than Mm -hmm. it was when her memories were suppressed. Then it was still there. She just didn't know how to function with it because she'd never been given the tools. Mm -hmm. Now she's starting to... She's starting to take ownership. I, I feel like she... In season one, she had no she had this gap in her memory, and that was something that I'm because one of the reasons I'm doing a rewatch is because I'm looking at, at revisiting a fic that I started a year ago, and one of the questions you know that I'm coming up against is Tom. One of the many open questions with Tom is that they broke wide open his past with being kidnapped and this and that and everything else having to do with redemption and then seems to be that they're letting it just hang out there and go sucks to be you guys we killed him i'm hoping they haven't done that the fact they keep bringing him back up means Mm -hmm. to me that they hopefully are going to revisit this and tie it into the rest of mythology but there was so much that when you know that there was all that trauma with him that went into his inability to appropriately connect with people for the first, what, 27, 28 years of his life, that when you look at that and you're able to process, okay, this is why, to a great degree, he went down the path that he did. Well, let's look at Liz. She had a little bit easier break with Sam, but that doesn't mean she had any less of a trauma with shooting somebody... And supposedly killing them in this or fire. Or thinking that she killed them. Yeah, th- yeah, exactly. It doesn't Let's matter if they, if they were dead or not. Exactly. You know, this four-year-old kid shot off a gun, it hit somebody, they went down. She thinks they're her dead. Her entire life change. And then her memories are wiped. That is going to screw anybody up. Yep. Just because well, you don't remember it doesn't mean it doesn't affect your emotional upbringing. Plus, there is something there that I want to mention. When I first got into Tumblr, it was because I wanted to organize my 
my thoughts. I had, I knew that I was, there was more that I wasn't seeing. And I remember when I, when I sat down and, but the first thing I did, you know, seriously did was to assume Liz is playing, Megan is playing Liz exactly the way that he should be playing Liz. So why does she do all these flip-flops? Why of us, sometimes she looks like she's, you know, uh, uh, like made out of wood and sometimes she's like all, all over the place. What is going on there that is making it big to act like that? And when I approached it like that and I started tracking the flip-flops, I came up with one and I wrote a, 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 a post, ginormous post, probably one of my first ginormous posts, about the merc her mercurial, mer oh, that is a hard word. Especially mercurial? With mercurial. Well, okay, that word uh, changes. <laughs> and what I, my, my, my conclusion of that was, and, you know, I got a lot of crap on me for that. I said. It's Tumblr crap gets thrown all the time. Yeah, well, it, it everywhere. Uh, Liz knows or suspects that Red is her father. And everything that she's doing, every flip and every flop comes right depending on whether she feels she's being accepted or rejected. And it's also a safety thing, I think, in a great deal. I mean, because let's take a look at at Liz through the years. She starts off, and it, this comes from just the brief. I mean, and I've had the dossier for ages, but like I said, I was in it today. And just this talk about the man that I thought I married was perfect. And so she had this, and you and I have talked about, and you have especially highlighted this idea that Liz wore a mask in her marriage, that she had this portrayal that she wanted to put out there. It's again, much like a covert operative, that this is the this is the persona that I want to show the world, which let's be fair, everybody does. Yes. Let's be honest there. Every person puts out the the image that they would like the world to see, and then mm -hmm. the people closest to them, depending if that's one person or maybe even nobody, maybe nobody knows who you are. You put that out there, and she convinced the world she was a certain way. And then that perfect little life that she had developed for herself blew to smithereens. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it even crumbled. It just blew up like an explosion. Like all the times that she and Wrestler were you know, blown up in season one. That's what her life did. Mm -hmm. Reddington dropped in. And that's that's when she was able to start tracking it. Mm -hmm. It happened long before that, obviously. But that's yeah. when she was able to start tracking it. And from that point, I think she didn't feel safe in a lot of ways. She didn't feel like she had a good grasp of what was going on. I think that as time has gone on, she's gotten much better, as we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier in the podcast. Yeah. She's been able to manipulate the situation and function better as time has gone on. But for a long time, she was in the the learning curve of this new, yeah. not necessarily new life that she was in, but in trying to figure out how to function. Understanding what was her life. But yeah, yeah the, the, the funny thing is, is that I was, I was proven right. When we got to the to to season four, and she's she tells Cooper, yes, I did a a test, and I, that's there's a post of mine like very old saying exactly that, you know, I bet that she did a test 
or she didn't feel like she needed to do a test. So the same thing, I think, happens with every character that we are seeing. What we, if you see, if there is a character there in this show that you think is not acting normal, like Jennifer, maybe it is because you're not seeing the motivations of that character. And I think that that it, it just pays to be a bit a bit proactive in saying, you know what, maybe it's not the actor. Maybe it is the way they're playing the character as they should. And when you look at all of them like that, everything just opened up. And this to me is the same thing as as uh, that is happening with 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 Park. And it's the same thing. It's like, why are we being why are we introducing now? A character in the in the in the show. I mean, do we really need it to when we have maybe one, two, maybe two more seasons to go? It. I don't think it did. So there must be a reason for introducing that. That is not just as a tool. There is something that she's bringing that we should probably be looking at. And that that is one of the many reasons I say that I'm. I, the Blacklist is one of those shows. That I, I try to keep an open mind with. Um, and I, I think I do a relatively good job. I don't like to dislike any of the, the main characters that are on board. Um, Reddington drives me absolutely crazy and has for the last couple, three years. But there's still, I still enjoy him as a character. Like, it's, he drives me nuts. I wish that he would learn. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Liz has those moments with me, too. And everybody does. Um, and so I hope, I really do hope with Park that we get to that point And that suddenly it makes sense. And I have that, aha, I get why Park is here. And it's not just to be a tool. Here mm-hmm. is where she fits into the whole thing moment. And I'm looking forward to that. I just, I have not reached it at this point, And I'm waiting for it. I am very much open to it. Yeah, I mean, to me, she feels a bit like like Mira. There was a bit of development. There was a reason she was there. I'm thinking that we still have not heard the last of Mira, um, which was an interesting thing because they brought it up during Nick's funeral, which was there was no reason to do that. So to me, that was just a, that little drop. So you don't forget that she was there. Um, I, I think that she was a mole. She was the first mole, even though she may not have known she was, but I think she was. So uh, coming to Park, why is she there? Is she going to survive? I don't know, but definitely it's an interesting character, and I'm looking forward to learn more. Everybody is going to die. That's the end of the blacklist. That's the I last episode. So. I'm kidding. It's oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, there's so a lot kidding. of people saying that. Like, everybody, Liz is going to die. Oh. Red is going to die. You know, Cooper's if that happens, die. you will, like, everybody will hear me. I don't care where I am. Everybody in the world will hear me scream. That, that scream will be Jen. Yeah. First a lot of people happens. feel that way. It's, you know, I, I honestly don't think Red will, will live it out. Um, Because it, in my experience, there are two different types of redemption arcs. There are the types that they, the individual learns and grows from that point and then there are the individuals that they have a a moment where they go oh crap this is how about you if know, you go if the audience goes like oh he didn't need a redemption no red needs a redemption <laughs> um, 
I'm very, very opinionated on this and have been for a very, very long time. Like the beginning of the experience with the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we know what happened in all those, uh, those uh, fan fictions. I mean, he was dying in every one of them. <laughs> you know, I have killed Red off once. Once. <laughs> Only time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Tessa throwing a fit over it. <laughs> anyway, my, my point was the you have two different types of redemption arcs. You have the type where the character hits a point, they hit their rock bottom, because you always have to hit your rock bottom with a redemption arc. You you do something terrible, you may have had a history of doing something terrible, you hit the redemption arc, you hit rock bottom, and then you start climbing up. And you start redeeming yourself by your continuous actions. You hit snags, you regress, but you continue a general upward motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a valley into the, the mountains sort of round. Then you have the people that hit the edge of the cliff. And they come up to the edge of the cliff and they go, holy crap, I have done this thing. I have this realization that I have wronged this person and I must make amends. And their redemption arc tends to happen through death. And those are the two generalized redemption arcs that you see in media mm-hmm. and i i you, death and or an extreme situation that takes them away and i had hoped that reds would have been otherwise but i i as we continue on and continue on again and we've had micro growth with red but overall in some ways in some ways he's grown but when it comes to the way he approaches Liz and the way he manipulates and and a lot of that is his situation I don't begrudge him that but as a character in a redemption arc what, what you're who's saying he's in a redemption arc he is in a redemption arc how do you know that because he's the lead. He's going to have a redemption arc. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe the whole thing is a charade. Okay, so we're... And I, I haven't... Oh, what's the show? Um, are you saying you, you think he's going to die a villain? I don't think he's a villain. No, he's a villain of some sort. I Not don't think he is. He, it may have been that the world made him a villain. I don't begrudge him that at all but i do think in some way shape or form you're coming at it in he was set up and the world has made him this way i am coming at i don't care he still treated this woman this way who's he treated that way liz yeah he still destroyed that's her. the thing um the more i watch of liz the more i'm coming to an, an understanding about her that I didn't have before. Um, and and I've, I've also considered that actually this blonde cat is her biological mother, is that I'm not sure. I used to say all the all problems come from bread and ability to tell this. And if he only tell her, it would be fine. Uh, six and some seasons in, I'm now thinking... You know what? I don't think that anymore. I think Liz is a bull in a china shop. I think that no matter what, she has to get to whatever she gets on her own. 
and she will betray, she will um, lie, and she will use whoever she needs to in order to get what she wants. So as, as we have progressed, and I have seen how easily manipulated she is, how, uh, because in my view, after analyzing the bone are completely, I feel that Jennifer just showed her a fake DNA and she for the second time believe a second DNA and now she's believing or maybe believing this woman. I'm thinking, you know what? I'm not so sure anymore that Red could have done things differently that he could have taking Liz and tell her all this and it would have been fine because oh. Liz would have made a ginormous mess. She blabs, she trusts the wrong people and every single time when given the choice, she will betray the people who really love her for somebody who promised her a shiny object. I agree with you in part. I do. Uh, Liz, Liz is not a trusting sort. She takes the, and she definitely 500% has to chase down her own mm-hmm. situation. But the moment that Red hired someone to watch her, the moment that he infiltrated her life in that way. Yes, that was... That was the key. As soon as he sent Tom in. Yeah, well, that was that was a, a problem. The, the, the thing is, for that situation... You look at it because you don't, and that, and then that, that's a, the wonderful thing about the blacklist is that it depends on how you, who you think Red is. You start thinking about what kind of story you're seeing instead of being the other way around, which is amazing. It's so masterfully done. If you think that Red is her father and he's coming and he, hire somebody and he was naive enough to hire a straight male to and it's like two straight males yes it happened twice yeah and, Ezra. And, and you don't see that that is that but as a father if you think of red being her father those mistakes are very different because then what it is 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 a guy who really didn't have the chance to see her, his daughter die, uh, grow up, and now it's treating her. It's not really understanding that she you know, had grown up. I, I don't, I don't think Red's. I, I don't think he, what he does comes from a bad place. No, I but, think. Hang on, I, I don't think what he does comes from a bad place. I think that I agree with you. He didn't get to see her grow up. He sees a, a little girl that he has to protect. I 500% agree with that. But just because that's his point of view, and I don't begrudge him his point of view, that is his, that is where he's coming from. As a character, you have to be able to wrap your mind around that to be able to function. I don't disagree with that. But that doesn't make him right. Oh, yes. But but listen to what I'm saying. It. Look at the way this is 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 built. Where you come from will make a big difference in there. Let's say that you you come from the point of view Red is not her father because Red is not Reddington. Um, what he has done, it's far 
a graver situation than what he did. Well, I mean, before. you know me. I'm I am a hardcore daddy gator. I know, I but mean, you don't believe any more than than Reddy's Reddington. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I but don't. You're you're not coming. Really have an opinion it, either way at this point. Okay, but I, it's, what I'm saying is, depending on where you come from, that just, changes. It is it is a remarkable feat. Biology really doesn't make a difference for me. He is her father. He he sees himself as her father. Yeah. Okay. So, but protecting her by hiring Tom and then not being able to tell her because if he tells her that, then he tells her everything. Well, we saw it with Tom. Tom did the same thing. He got involved. He, he married the woman. He fell in love with her. He married her. He had no, no background to be able to function with that situation. Or way to tell her no, what, what was snowballed. true. Yeah, if he had told her, I am convinced that the he was working towards telling her when he found out she found the box. And that when he called her, he wanted to talk to her and have this discussion. And he was feeling out the situation of saying, hey, babe. You know, basically, you know, will you talk to me? Will you put me first? Will you let me have any sort of say in what's going on before you just rake me over the coals and assume the absolute worst? And when she put her work first, he went, I'm screwed. <laughs> and it snowballed. And I think it happened the exact same way well, with Red. And, I think that I imagine... Red made decisions and it snowballed. And we are down, t- getting towards the bottom of the hill with this massive snowball of chaos. It's about to hit the bank. Yeah. And but but, but it doesn't and, and I and I understand that and and I'm the first one who says Liz Head comes from a very very damaged point of view. I get all that. You know, but on the other hand, the more I've seen her with other characters that have nothing to do with Red you know, it's separate. She was functioning with Jennifer in one way. She was functioning with with Blonde Cat in another way. But not, they didn't have, a, a, they did not connect to Red. It was not about her relationship with Red. It, it was about the relationship with them. That connected somewhat to Red, but it was about them. And the way I've seen her trust the people he shouldn't, the way I've seen her... Um, Dismiss that this woman killed two FBI agents. The way I've seen her um, tell something to wrestler, and then there's not supposed to tell her. Then she goes and tells Red, and throws wrestler under the bus, and throw Cooper under the. She throws whoever she needs to throw under the bus in order to get what she wants. She's and a mean means justify the end or yes. ends justify the means. But but she doesn't have other things. Not that, not that there's a, a lot of things are very similar to Red, and she's very similar in that way. You know, the end justifies the means. But looking back now at, at the way they have painted this character, and I am not convinced now that I don't feel towards Red as in Red needs a redemption. He had done something bad, or he's a criminal, or or what he did by not telling her the truth. Now, the more I look at Liz, the more I'm convinced that there is a reason for that. Um, I am not ready to pass a judgment or to say Red needs a redemption because I don't know what that is. 
but I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it that there is no coincidence that Liz have thrown anybody that have really cared for her in her pursuit of the truth. And that tells me something about Liz. And I mean, it tells me that telling her might not be the best way to go about. It's, yeah, it's all going to boil down to why is Red keeping this secret? And yeah. I guess that's really the key there. But I don't know. I, I think you and I are coming from it from a fairly different point of view, and which, again, is the blacklist in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Like, let's look at it from point of view. From a, from a story structure point of view, it's... This is a redemption arc heavy sort of show. And I feel like whether, even if his redemption arc is, it comes out that he was justified all along, which I don't necessarily agree with, but let's just say for the sake of argument, he was justified all along. And here is this, this, and this, and this, why? Then that's still a redemption in a way. It's not necessarily that he needed to be redeemed, but he is still redeemed because right now society and Liz and the task force people that, I mean, he may not care about society, but he cares about Liz. He cares what Liz thinks. He cares about what people closest to him think, but he hasn't forgiven Liz completely. That's probably true, but that doesn't mean he doesn't care about what she thinks and doesn't, he wants her in his life. Otherwise, he would have been gone. Yeah. He he ne- he would have run away with what's her name he, a couple he, weeks ago. It, it's it's the it's the difference um, of what what family is, and and mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. But yeah. you know, I, I look at this as being I I don't necessarily think that anybody will be dead at the end, or dead or red will be dead at the end. We'll see. Um, I I think I think that this is a this is a big charade. Is remember that we had Dom tell Red, "You were the architect of this charade," and we tend to think that that charade ended. I don't think it's ended. I think this is the charade. This is this is still running from from thirty years has been running. I could see it. I could definitely see that. So I I I, I thoroughly expect this to end as a as if this were a heist episode. At the end, you think something happens, and at the last seen everything you know has been turned on his head and you see that the master the charade master is you know is sitting by a river fishing and cooper comes along and they share a beer we'll see i mean that that is the ride of the blacklist you know megan did an interview several years ago where she said just enjoy the ride and that is a lot of ways that's where we're at um there are many pieces of the puzzle we don't have thus far and we'll see. Why not? Hmm? <laughs> I think there are some pieces we don't have. I agree there. Um, I do think we have a lot of them. Oh, I think so. And I think there are probably pieces that we don't some even know. Some we don't we even know that we have. Yeah, exactly. We just don't recognize them as such. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, is that about it? Uh, that's <laughs> about it. All right, guys. Well, you can. You can talk to us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Tumblr, and Tessa's over on Reddit. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, You can listen to us on YouTube. We're a little bit behind on posting that because YouTube has been utterly atrocious the last couple weeks. 
I don't know if it's increased the quarantine. Volume. I, I, I think it may have something to do with increased volume. It also may have to do, we use Skype. We're looking for alternatives. So if you have an alternative, let us know. We're happy to look into it. Um, but Skype has made some adjustments to the way they record. And it has been kind of a pain since we've come back from winter hiatus. Okay, so. read that as there is like screams coming you can listen to us on other <laughs> media that are far less problematic than YouTube. <laughs> yes, that is the epitome. That, that is the goal of what I was trying to get to. Yeah. All right, guys, we will talk to you later. Uh, listen to us next week and stay safe. Stay well. All right. All right. Bye-bye.